Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Sports Miles Premier League Preview Podcast. I'm Barney Corkle. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to look ahead to game week 14. Last weekend saw Liverpool stun Man City with a comprehensive 4-1 victory at the Etihad, while Leicester incredibly climbed to the top of the table with a 3-0 win over Newcastle. The Foxes involved in one of the standout ties of this weekend too as they host Manchester United in a battle between the top two, while Sunday sees an enticing London derby between informed Tottenham and a seemingly resurgent Chelsea. We start at the bottom though with Aston Villa hosting Watford. Pascal, we'll start with the home side, bottom of the table after another hammering last time out against Everton. Yeah, it was Remy Gard's first loss, wasn't it? Because in his first game, they hosted Man City and they did really well to get a goalless draw in that game. But then going to Everton, you know, Everton started to improve in, re- in recent weeks, especially, you know, Lukaku, he's looking good. He got two, Barkley got two as well. And to be honest, they were never at the races, really. I think quite a few people, we even thought, you know, when we tipped it last week, we thought maybe they might give Everton a bit of a fight. We thought Everton probably just edged quite a tight game, but it wasn't like that at all. You know, they completely run them rag. You know, Richardson in particular had a really torrid time against Delafoe, who has been in great form in recent weeks, you have to say. And you know they lost to Marvy to that injury over the international break, and maybe that you know they're maybe missing him a bit already there because Richardson, you know, he's lost his way in recent years, and he just looks completely outclassed by you know a young player who you know formerly at Barcelona, completely outclassed there. And to be honest, they didn't really do much against Everton. Completely deserved to lose that, and like you say, still bottom of the table. And you know that was a real you know reality check there for Gard because he started so well with that point against Villa, and then you know that's more like the Villa we're used to seeing this season. Yeah, we said they were a bit fortunate to get away with a nil-nil draw against City, but still to keep City to a goalless draw was a good achievement. So to then ship four against Everton will be really disappointing for him. But as we say, it's another loss for Aston Villa. Their, their form is just absolutely terrible. But it's hard to see them staying up at the moment. To be honest, winless in twelve since the opening day of the season. It's obviously the longest run in the Premier League at the moment. Five points from safety now, four points from nineteenth, and stretching back to last season, it's only one win in the last 15 so that is relegation form in any league in the world and they, if that doesn't improve pretty soon they might be cut adrift before you know before February or March or something like that they need to get some points on the ball quickly it's hard to see where it's going to happen because home form is usually where relegation threatened teams you know pick up the bulk of their uh, the bulk of their points but that hasn't happened this season they've only got two points from six home games so far this season it's the worst record in the league the only team in the league yet to win in front of their own fans this season so that's it's a terrible record they really need to improve that at Villa Park this is a, a decent chance you know, Watford I've surprised a few people by quite how uh, how well they've been doing but Villa before the season began would have been looking at this as a good chance to get some home points on the board and it is a good chance they, they won't get as many good chances this one it's a team in the bottom half and Villa they've only played two top half teams so far this season so at home so that home form is even even worse when you put it in that perspective they've, they've still got the toughest matches to come I think they've played uh, both Manchester clubs at home so far this season so they've got the likes of Arsenal United Liverpool Tottenham to come so it's not going to be easy for them going forward they need to pick up points in matches like this definitely and the thing is it's their defence as well you know before before last week's game against Everton they didn't have one of the leakiest defence but conceding you know four there now only three teams conceded more than them they're the lowest scorers in the whole league we've talked about their goal problems all season they've only got to score 10 goals in 13 games not good enough you mentioned how bad they've been at home there you know at home they're the lowest scorers this season only scored three 
three goals all season at Villa Park. Two of those against that tool uh, in that tool draw with Sunderland, simply not good enough. Since August, only one goal at Villa Park since then. I saw a stat about um, Agbon Law. He's the only player on Villa's books at the moment who's got double figures for the club. You know, ever since he's been there. So that just shows that there's just no real, you know, there's no core to this team really. There's a lot of new players in there who have sort of come and go in the last couple of seasons. Agbon Lahore is obviously one of the mainstays from the last few years, but considering he's the only player on the club's books who's got you know double figures at ten goals or more, that just that just shows where the goal struggles are and they they haven't had a, a striker you know a fifteen even a fifteen goal season striking out for a good couple of years. So that's where they've got to improve and surely that's where Guard has to look in January to try and make a signing. Yeah, and they're coming up against a team with a decent defensive record in Watford so far this season. And as I say, they have surprised a few people. They've they're the best place of the promote, um, newly promoted sides, thirteenth in the table, which they'll be very happy with um, at this stage of the season. Last time out against Manchester United, they were unfortunate really to to lose that one two one. They thought they'd rescued a point with Deeney's penalty towards the end, a stupid tackle from Marcos Rojo to give away the penalty, but then Deeney, unfortunate at the other end to uh, concede their own goal when. Schweinsteiger's ball back across Dini was just diving in to try and block it and he took it over the own line at the, at the death it was harsh on Watford because they played pretty well in the second half you'd have to say if either team deserved to win it then it was Manchester United but Watford they could argue they did enough to earn a point in that match it, it wasn't by any means one way traffic for United we thought it might be a bit of a tight game but Watford they really gave, um, uh, had made a game of it they were good in the second half especially really tested United on a few occasions so they can they can consider themselves quite unlucky to have come away from that match with nothing still seven clear of the relegation zone despite consecutive losses for the first time this season though so despite that the, a little dip in form recently they're still in a strong position yeah they are and it's another goal for Dean you know he's got three this season he struggled for so long didn't he I think it was almost ten games he went you know without scoring he's now got three Igalo is seven that's ten of their twelve goals so they, they, they do need more goals from elsewhere and you look at the sort of goal scoring stats only two teams have you know, conceded fewer, I think, uh, sorry, scored fewer than Villa, which is Villa, who we obviously talked about earlier, and Stoke. So they do need more goals and more goals from all areas of the pitch as well. That's where they've got to improve. But, you know, defensively, you mentioned it a, a bit earlier there, they have been, you know, fairly sound all season. Only two two teams outside the top five have conceded fewer than them. So that's where they've been strong this season. And away from home, they've been quite good as well. They've been able to put in good away performances. The only times, the only two teams they've lost to are City and Leicester, who are two of the top three, obviously. So, you know, defensively and away from home, they've been fairly solid. You know, they haven't had any really sort of hammerings away from home, which is obviously a good thing not not only for confidence but also things like goal difference which could you know uh, play a part at the end of the season so things like that need to improve but it's, it's in home games and against teams where you know they're, they're expected to maybe win where they just need to score a few more goals that's where they need to improve and if they do that then they'll probably be fairly set for a mid-table finish this season I think which way do you see this one going uh, I see a draw in this one I think you know Villa they looked better at home you know in, in guards first game in charge and I think Watford like we said there they haven't really had many hammerings this season they've been fairly solid away from home and I think this could be a nil-nil draw yeah, it's, it's quite hard to see Villa winning this match the, the form they're in at the moment Watford have lost back-to-back games but they're, they're playing quite well as I say quite unfortunate to lose against United so I think I can go for an away win here the, I, again I don't see many goals like you so I'm going to go for 1-0 Watford so I'm going for a narrow Watford victory and a goalless draw down to Dean Court where struggling Bournemouth are up against Everton Barnes let's start with the home side last time out scored that two goal lead against Swansea yeah really disappointing in the end I think if you had offered Eddie Howard two or draw against Swansea before the game, he might have taken it. But the manner in which it happened, really disappointing. 2 0 up after, I think it was 26 minutes. You can't afford to blow that against a team in Swansea's form. You know, one win in nine they went into that match with. And with Bournemouth really struggling for a victory, that's a gift to them. There was poor defence from Swansea to give them uh, both goals. So 
you can't you can't afford to let that one slip. They let it slip straight away with you getting a goal back straight after Gosling made it 2-0. And then Shelby got the penalty and it was quite a quick fire comeback from Swansea in, in the end. I think it was two all at half time and then no further goals in the second half. So it wasn't exactly like a late comeback from Swansea, but it was still hurt Bournemouth because the position they're in, 19th in the table now, they can't afford to let that happen. Again, they were the better side in the team, but they didn't come away with what they deserve, which has pretty much been the story of their season so far. They should have a lot more points than they've had the way they've played. Haven't always deserved to win every single game, but they've played pretty decent football. And it's a bit, it's a bit like Burnley from last season. You know, they they got a lot of plaudits for the way they stayed, but for the way they played. Sorry, but in the end, they they got relegated. They they probably got relegated the right way, if there is a right way to get relegated. But I'm sure the fans right now would rather be in the Premier League and then having stayed up playing a bit more negative football. And I think Bournemouth might need to do that if they need to stay up because. The Swansea game was probably the best example so far. 2-0 up, you can't let that league go. To concede two goals against that Swansea team in poor form, so disappointing. Yeah, they took their chances really well, didn't they? Gosling's goal especially was a really good finish. And then you'd probably say in the second half, after Swansea had got back so quickly, they probably did quite well to get a point out of that because you, you would have thought the home side, you know, resurgent like that, they might have gone on to win. But in the end, they did OK to get a point. And that ended a five-game losing streak in all competitions. So that is a positive for them. But when you look at their recent record, it's just two points from their last 21 available. Still one point from safety. So they're not far off but the way they're going at the moment you know you see teams like obviously Sunderland winning on Monday night and you see other teams you know improving a bit Bournemouth they're going the other way you know you, you do wonder if they're going to sort of you know start slumping down a Villa going to improve a bit under Remy Gard you know they've got some tough fixtures Villa I can't really see them getting out of it anytime soon but the same with Bournemouth it's hard to see them really moving up the table anytime soon and you, you think I mean we've talked enough this season about all their injury problems and all that kind of stuff but are they going to be able to spend much money in January? They still they're still quite a small club, aren't they? So is there that many funds there available to spend money in January? They do need to, you feel, because they've lost so many key players. You know, you've got the likes of Mark Pugh, who's a big player for them, Lee Tomlin, their doubts for this game as well. They've just got so many problems and even though you've got players like Richie who, who are impressing at this level, it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough at the moment. And you mentioned a couple of doubts there. Arta Boric is also a doubt for this weekend, which, considering their defensive record so far this season, could hurt them. They've got the worst defence in the league with 27. And as you mentioned, we've talked about their injuries, but most of them are going forward. You know, likes of Wilson and uh, Grade or two key attacking players being injured. Mings has been injured as well at the back, but he wasn't even in the team really. He wasn't a regular starter despite his big money move um, in the summer. He wasn't a regular starter before he got injured. So they haven't had too many uh, debilitating injuries at the back but they still got a poor defensive record and again I think that comes down to their style of play really just they like playing open attack in football and it is easy on the eye but they need to tighten up at the back at this level otherwise they're not going to win games if you keep giving that many goals away you're just not going to get the points you need to stay in the division and it's hard as you say to see them climbing up the table they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up this game against the Inform Everton is obviously a very tough one then after this they've got Chelsea and Manchester United in the next two games OK, Chelsea haven't been in the best form this season, but they look like finding a bit of form now. Manchester United, very tough team to beat so far this season, up there in second place at the moment. So it is going to be difficult for Bournemouth in the in the coming weeks and over the rest of the season. First things first, they need to tighten up at the back. I think, I think Eddie Howe might need to sacrifice a bit of his the playing style and maybe tighten things up because at the moment it's just not working for them. Absolutely, and to be honest, they're going to be hard pressed to keep a clean sheet this weekend. They come up against an Everton side, you know, four 0 winners against Villa last week, six two against Sunderland recently. You know, they're the third 
best scorers in the league. Only Leicester and Man City have scored more. And like I said, last weekend against Villa, a very impressive performance there, 4 0. I mean, we thought maybe Villa might cause them a bit of problems. You know, Remy Gard would go there and try and, you know, sharp shot, but it didn't work that way at all. Lukaku and Barkley both with a brace. You know, there's been goals all over in recent weeks. You know, Delafay's been playing really well. He had another great game down the right. Kone's coming with goals. He didn't score last weekend, but he's playing well. The whole team looks very, like he's playing very well. Barkley was back to form after some disappointing performances, I thought, for England over the international break. And obviously, Lukaku, he's one of the informed strikers in the whole league. Him, Harry Kane looking really, really good at the moment. And Lukaku joined Fowler, Owen, Rooney, Ronaldo. 50 goals before the age of 23. That's you know some elite companies in there. So he's done really well there. Look where it leaves him in the table. Six points off the top four. You know we talked. We know that Everton's fixtures they continue to get better after the really tough run they had. And the way they're going at the moment, Everton they're one of those teams you know on the periphery of maybe being top four contenders this year. Yeah, they're now unbeaten in four games in all competitions. So they they are in decent form at the moment. And their only actual losses this season have come to Man City, Manchester United, and Arsenal, which is three of the top four at the moment. So they're losing only to the the teams right up there, and you wouldn't expect them to be really challenging. Probably not for top four quite this season, although the form they're in, they'll throw their names in the hat with the likes of Tottenham, the likes of Liverpool, all of them. It looks like being a really competitive uh, race for the top four so um, this season. The big game after this one, they would expect probably a victory against Bournemouth and then they've got Middlesbrough in the League Cup, which again, they'd expect a victory, but it's a huge game for the club because that silverware, it's been too long since they won silverware. 1995, I think it was their last trophy. So that is a big game for the club. And as you mentioned, their fixtures, they've got Crystal Palace who have been inconsistent this season. They've got Norwich, Leicester, OK, they've done a lot better than everyone expected but then Newcastle and Stoke as well after that so it is a kind run of fixtures as you say they've got the vast majority of the big boys in the first half of the season out of the way pretty early on so they should be pretty confident of getting a good run of results going heading into Christmas heading into the new year and then hopefully second half of the season they'll they'll hope to um, carry on pushing up the table certainly in the mix for European place at the moment the way they're playing they'll be right amongst them away from home They've only won. There's been a bit mixed form so far this season. They've had a few too many draws. They've only won one of their last five Premier League games on the road, but only lost two of their last ten as well. Three draws. The only defeat has been at the Emirates. We know how good Arsenal are at home in the Premier League, so no shame there in that away form as well. And they'll, be, they'll fancy their chance of getting the victory here. Yes, yeah, so there's two teams sort of going in opposite directions here. Which way do you see it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to back Everton here. Bournemouth. As I say, they've been playing good football, but they're not getting the results. And Everton, they're playing good football and getting the results. So I'm going to back a away victory 2-0, I think. I'm going to go for a few more goals than that. I think Bournemouth might be able to score a few. And the way Everton are going, like we said, they've been scoring a lot of goals. So I'm actually going to go for a 4-2 away win. So we've got a 2-0 win for Everton and a 4-2 win. On to another struggling team now as Newcastle travel to Selhurst Park to take on Crystal Palace. Pascal will start with the visitors became the latest team to fall at the hands of Leicester last time out. Yeah, they did. I know Leicester, they're doing brilliantly well. You know, t- They went top of the table with that win, but even then McLaren said it was the worst performance of the season. You have to say, you look at the defending for all three goals, just so, so poor. You know, They give away the ball for the first one, and then you know, Vardy, you know, top scorer, he's chasing that record. Everyone knows how much he wants a goal, and I think it was Mbemba just allowed him so easily to cut inside, and then you know, you have to give him credit. It's a great finish. You might question the keeper for being beat at the near post, but I think it was just a really good hit. And, can't get beaten there, and then in the second half, the two goals they conceded, um, Ujoa and Okazaki. I mean, the second one especially it was comical defending for Ujoa's goal. I mean, Maris had the ball for, I mean, a good five seconds there on the, I think it was the right wing, and he was eyeing up across, and there was, you know, all the Newcastle players in the box, and they couldn't somehow see that Ujoa, you know, a, a striker, has just been left completely unmarked at the back post. It was almost hilariously bad defending. Uh, and then the third one, Okazaki, you know, is uh, scramble on the line. Or he, Okazaki, it almost hits him in the face, goes onto the turf, and no Newcastle player wanting to throw themselves in the way, try and you know get anything on the ball to clear it away, and he just a was tap it in, just terrible, terrible defending. Couldn't score. I mean, Leicester, you know, we, we know the top of the league, they've been scoring a lot of goals, but most teams are able to score against them. Newcastle couldn't even do that at home, so. 
all in all, terrible performance. Like I said, McLaren said it was the worst performance of the season. Yeah, real dark day for the club. Yeah, and it leaves them just one point above the relegation zone now, so they're still very much in trouble. And you mentioned their defence there. Only two teams conceded more all season. 25 goals they've conceded in 13 games, which is a pretty poor record. And as you say, some of the defending against Leicester, I actually thought that Okazaki one was the worst of the lot. Just the fact that they, they just stood there watching it for just happened a, a yard away from their goal. It was Awful, awful defending, but as you mentioned, they couldn't score against Leicester, and that's probably been their biggest problem. They've had a lot of problems this season. Probably the biggest is scoring. Only four teams have scored fewer in the whole in the whole league in th- uh, than Newcastle's thirteen, which is one a game. But six of those game in one game. So the fact that they they've scored what's it seven goals apart from in their other twelve games this season is a poor record. It needs to improve really. Um, they've only scored once since that 6-2 victory over Norwich, which goes to show how much they're struggling in front of goal at the moment. People thought that performance might be a bit of a turning point. McLaren, before that performance, was saying a big game's just around the corner. And they, they did look good in that Norwich game. Ronaldo obviously getting the four goals, but since then they just haven't been able to back it up at all. Nowhere near as to the level that they were in that game. And it's just been so disappointing from them in front of goal. They need to improve in that area, especially. They need to improve all over the pitch. But up front in the final third, they, McLaren said he might be... Uh, he might drop Mitrovic because he's been misfiring. There was controversy during the international break with him apparently having a bust up with Serbian teammates as well. So, you know, on and off the field, he's he courts a bit of controversy. He's a bit of a fiery character and he's not really doing the business in terms of goals. So, whether he gives Papi Cissé a chance, he had a good record off the bench um, last season, but never really happened when it was uh, when he was starting. So it's hard to see where the goals are going to come from, really, because the the other options to the team he's been playing at the moment aren't great either. No, they're not. And they've only scored once since that six-two win over Norwich, and that was the really lucky goal against Bournemouth. You know, Paris is one which keeper should have really saved, dribbled over the line. That win against Bournemouth, though, was their first away in the Premier League since January, that 13 games. So, you know, away from home, they simply haven't been good. It's just, they just both attack, defence, home away, however you look at it, they just look like a relegation candidate this season and only won two of their last 19 away from home if you go back over a year. So, They've struggled for a long, long time now, you know, away from home. And even then, we saw last week at home, they can just play so, so badly at St James's Park. So just everything points, you know, to a bad season this year. The away record, only Villa, who are obviously bottom of the table and being, you know, cut a bit adrift at the moment. Only they have a worse away record this season with four points. Newcastle scored only two away goals. You know, that's five fewer than the next lowest in the Premier League. So away from home, they're not scoring. You know, they're not keeping teams out. Just everything at the moment. Something really needs to change for Newcastle. I think they need a big run of a good run of form, you know, maybe a couple of wins, a draw. They need an unbeaten stretch, some new players coming in, in January, because at the moment you have to say that they're probably one of the four or five teams who will, you, you think would be there at the end of the season in the relegation battle. Yeah, but they are coming up against the Palace team who have been very inconsistent of late. And they lost to Sunderland on Monday. Newcastle's uh, northeast rivals, obviously, and they're down there with Newcastle at the bottom of the table. So that, that might give Newcastle a bit of hope for Palace. It hasn't really been good enough since a promising start to the season. They won five of their first eight games of the season, but only won one of their last five now. So consistency has to improve. They have put in some impressive performances, but you know the win against Liverpool was a, a big one, and that followed a draw against United. So that's four points against two teams expect to be challenging for top four Champions League football next season. But then they're going forward to that home defeat against Sunderland. So they need to back up those those good results with results against teams they should be beating. We've mentioned before about how they're perhaps better suited to playing the bigger teams, the way they play on the counter-attack, the players they've got, but they need to find a way to beat the teams that they should be beating. Against Sunderland, 
you can look at defensive errors. The the ultimate reason they lost the game, obviously Scott Dan, a bit a bit of a miscommunication with his uh, goalkeeper. He seemed to be more intent on blocking off Defoe, and then Defoe just got round him and finished it off like he's made a career out of doing. So it was poor defending, but they didn't really do enough to win that match. It, it should have been a match they went into. Um, thinking that they, they would come away with all three points, considering the form Sutherland won. So, a really disappointing result. I think this season now they've won six and lost six, which goes to show a bit of their inconsistency. And Pardew, he needs to sort that out if they if they are to push up towards you know the top six, seven, eight uh, places in the table. Absolutely, yeah. And we talked you know last week about the upcoming games, Sunderland and Newcastle, both at home, and we thought it's a real chance for Palace here, six points out of six, especially after like you said those you know good results against Liverpool and United, but. After now losing to Sunderland on Monday night, it could be quite nervy there on Saturday now against Newcastle because we've talked in the past. It's been about a good year now. You know, Palace just haven't been as good at home as away from home. You know, they've only won one of their last five Premier League games, losing three of those. They've won none of the last three and not scored in the last two home games either. Uh, with that um, nil-nil draw against United and uh, the, the defeat to Sunderland on Monday, so at home simply not good enough. We've, they've had some amazing results on the road this season. Credit credit where credit's due there, especially under Pardew. But you know. They have to, if they really want to, I mean, they're sitting 10th at the moment, right on the periphery of dropping back into the bottom half. If they want to become, you know, a solid top half team, they've got to improve at home. Defensively, you would, you would credit them. They've only, only four teams have conceded fewer this season in the Premier League. But like I said, they're not doing enough really uh, to, to warrant being a top half team. They're the lowest scorers in the top half. Only scored 14 in 13 games. And maybe that's down to the fact they haven't really found a number one striker this year. You know, Connor Wickham was signed. He hasn't really done too much. Dwight Gale's had his injury problems. And in a lot of games this season, they played, you know, all of their wingers and sort of playmakers not really uh, gone with a striker so he hasn't really found that formula there whether in January he'll go for an, another striker or if he'll just maybe persist with what he's got we'll have to wait and see and which way do you see this one going this weekend um, I'm going to go Palace here I think Newcastle last week just you know really really bad atrocious in fact in that uh, defeat to uh, Leicester so I think Palace here they'll, they'll want to bounce back after their defeat to Sunderland I'm going to back them to win 3-1 yeah, the Palace's home form, as you mentioned, is poor, but Newcastle's away form is even worse. So I think I'm going to agree with the Palace victory. I don't see it being too many goals. I don't see it being quite that convincing, but I'm going to go for a 1-0 Crystal Palace victory. So we're both going for Crystal Palace wins here. Okay, don't Man City are down to third and now face Southampton. Last it start with City last Saturday, completely outplayed by Liverpool. Yeah, they were. It was a stunning performance from Liverpool, but by the same measure, a terrible performance from City. You'd probably have to say the worst in the Manuel Pellegrini reign so far. It was... It was just they weren't at the races. Liverpool came out the blocks firing, and City just didn't seem to be able to cope with their tactics. Defensively, they were all over the place. Just four really bad goals to give away, and it could have been more. It could have been six, uh, seven or eight. Joe Hart made a few fantastic saves. I think Liverpool had seven or eight one-on-one chances and a few. Uh, good chances aside from that so it could have quite easily been a, a huge huge win for Liverpool in the end it was still a pretty convincing victory but just you, w- you weren't expecting it City have been so strong at home for so long that such a performance just came out of the blue and we were waiting for a big performance from Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool they brought it there but the, the way City just sort of gave up in the first 32 minutes to be 3-0 down yes Coutinho and Firmino were playing some beautiful football to watch but the, the way they were defending Mangalo in particular he I gave him a 1 out of 10 in the player ratings he was that bad and Di Michaelis next to him was not much better at all and missing co- uh, company through injury there's no excuse you know Mangala cost upwards of £30 million he has to be put in better performances than that this season it was dreadful I was quite surprised to see Otamendi on the bench to be honest I thought he would have started because he does look next to company as City's best central defender so I was quite surprised to see him on the bench whether he would have made a difference we don't know but um, Pellegrini must have been tempted to bring him on in, in the second half he, he made two half-time changes and he was obviously keeping the third one to bring Aguero off after about an hour bring on a Nacho. 
but he must have been so tempted to bring Mangala off in the second half and just give a, give the game up in a damage limitation mode. But even even at 3-0 down, you thought City might have the ability to make a game of it. And when Aguero scored in um, just before half-time, you thought maybe a second-half comeback was coming. But it didn't happen. It wasn't 100% safe for Liverpool until Skirtle got the fourth round 10 minutes from time. But City it never really materialised. I think Aguero going off after an hour really hurt them. It might have been a different story had he been able to play the full 90 minutes. But obviously, having just come back from injury, that couldn't be the case. And... I think his return is probably the only positive they could take from that match. De Bruyne had an alright game. Hart, as I mentioned, made some good saves. But Aguero coming back from injury is probably the only glimmer of hope they could take from that match because overall it's a dreadful performance and a really, really terrible uh, result for them. Yeah, they might have Silva back this weekend as well, which would be a huge boost for them. But like I say, Aguero is a great finish from him as well. But in terms of the result and how it looks, you know, it, I mean, that was the heaviest home defeat in all competitions since 2009 in the Premier League since 2003. Because you know, since City became you know a real top four, you know, title ch- challenger, their, their form at the Etihad is usually excellent. That, overall, that was their first defeat in ten games since that four-one defeat to Spurs. So, in some of the big games this season, you know, you got teams like Spurs and Liverpool who you know, chasing City, that's that's who they want to be, they want to be City, you know, have a Premier League title in recent years in their books, and in those kind of games, they've been completely outplayed in a couple now, and that is really worrying, and you mentioned the performance of Mangala there, I was very surprised to see how bad he was, because at the start of the season, when him and company, you know, they were keeping clean sheet after clean sheet, playing so, so well together, and like I said about Otamendi, I mean, I was surprised to see Demichelis starting, because there's a talk that he might be going back to Argentina in January, and if he's ready to go back, you know, to his homeland there, you just wonder if he's he's probably not cut out to be a Premier League quality defender for a title challenger like City so it is poor from them you know they had won five home games in a row so they were doing pretty well at home and it was just such a surprise to see Liverpool play like that I mean I know in some games this season Liverpool been really impressive the way they're hounding teams under Klopp that sort of style that he's you know instructed them to play you know all of that but they just didn't seem to run out of energy at all they just kept going completely outplayed City for almost the whole game and you know, it was very, very surprising. City really need to bounce back in this one. Yeah, they do. And we're filming this before the Champions League match against Juventus in midweek. It is a big uh, week for them to bounce back from that. Obviously, such a disappointing result. And this one's not an easy game. Obviously, Juventus away in Turin is about as tough as it gets in the Champions League. So that's a big game. Uh, this weekend's a big game. And then they've got Holland in the League Cup quarterfinals next um, week as well in, on on the Tuesday. So it's another big victory, a, bit, a big game for them if they want to get some silverware under their belts early on this season. They've got a decent record in the League Cup in recent years so that would be a good chance for them to get back on track in a game that they should really win but they have got the, still got the best home record in the Premier League we, we can't really forget that they have been it, was a, it looks like an anomaly of a result against Liverpool um, they'll certainly hope that that is the case but they have as you mentioned already lost three home games this season in all competitions which is more than we're used to seeing them losing in recent in recent years um, they have scored more goals at home than anyone else in the Premier League this season as well so it's not all bad for them but Certainly that Liverpool result will take some getting over. The, the players coming back, you mentioned Silva there, they should help them get over that. Silva could be back for the Aventus game in midweek, but if not, he probably will be back for this weekend, which will be a huge boost for them. He's been out for quite a while now, and with Aguero coming back as well, those two link up so well at the back. We mentioned company's absence maybe being a big factor in the Liverpool defeat. He should be back soon as well, so that will be a big plus for them. Those returning players, arguably their three best players, um, even when Yaya Torre is on form, those three are probably the core of the team, the spine of the team. To get them back will be a huge boost and will certainly help them get over that Liverpool defeat. Absolutely. Moving on to Southampton, I think Ronald Koeman will certainly look at the three-time City have lost at home this season. West Ham, Juventus, Liverpool will try and take something from that, but as for their result last week, it was a 1-0 defeat at home to Stoke. A disappointing result. Their first defeat in nine games in all competitions, so it did stop a good run they were having there, you know, eight unbeaten and 
Certainly, I, mean, I know Stoke in recent weeks being very good defensively, keeping a lot of clean sheets. But I mean, you have to be, say credit to Stoke. You know, they took the lead inside ten minutes, good finish from Bojan, and then after that, Southampton didn't create too much. You know, it was just a very good defensive performance uh, from Stoke. And you have to say that a lot of bad things coming out of that game. Pella, you know, he's usually excellent at home. Southampton usually very, very good at St Mary's. Usually, you know, have no trouble scoring goals. They couldn't break Stoke down. Pella couldn't score. He got a yellow card as well, so he's now suspended for this one. That'll be a, a big blow for them coming into this game. So. A disappointing result there, but there's still only six points off the top four, four points off fifth. It's very congested sort of between sort of fifth place and sort of tenth place. There's a lot of teams there who could, depending on results this weekend, they could all swap around in the, in the top half there. So a good result for them could take them right up towards the European places, but they could you know, drop towards the bottom half if it doesn't go their way. Yeah, and you mentioned their home form there, but their away form's actually been pretty good this season as well. They're only one of two teams, along with Leicester, yet to lose on the road in the Premier League so far this season. They have drawn four of those six games, so the perhaps want to turn some of those draws into victories but still to be unbeaten they've taken points off the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea on the road this season so they are doing quite well away from home at the moment obviously this one's a really tough match at the Etihad even accounting for Man City's defeat against Liverpool but um, for they've much improved last season the last seven games of last season they only got one point from that six defeats and one draw in the last seven away games of last season um, but they've won two of the last three after a run of no wins in ten now so they certainly are improving on the road I think the one, the biggest concern for Coman if you look a bit deeper into their position in the league table at the moment it's, it's an alright position but all of their victories have come against teams in the bottom seven they need to start picking more points up picking more wins up against teams in and around them in the table five of their six remaining Premier League games in 2015 are coming against teams currently in the top half and they haven't beaten a team in the top half this season so that is a record they certainly need to improve it's going to be difficult this weekend but if they can get a victory against Man City it will certainly put to bed a few concerns that they're not they're not able to beat the teams that they're directly challenging so they both lost last weekend then which team do you see bouncing back I see Man City bouncing back from this one. It's hard to see them fall into back-to-back home defeat. And Southampton, you know, as I mentioned, they haven't beaten anyone of real substance so far this season. So I'm going to go for Man City victory 2-0. I completely agree with 2-0. Actually, I can't really see Southampton scoring. They're going to miss Pella up front. He's he's the kind of player who can just get you a goal out of nowhere. And I just, I can't really see them scoring. And yeah, I agree with 2-0. So both picking City to win this one 2-0. Okay, moving up to the stadium on light now, where Sunderland hosts Stoke. Scal start with the home side, absolutely huge victory against Crystal Palace on Monday night. Absolutely massive, yeah. I think going into that game, even though Palace usually better away from home than they are at home, even then you would have thought Sunderland was a really tough ask for them to get anything from that game. You know, the weekend before Palace, um, or sorry, two weeks ago, they'd beaten uh, Liverpool away at Anfield, so that was really impressive for them. But for Sunderland to go there, defend like they did really stoutly. Palace didn't really create that much at all. They tried to test Pantillamon, but he actually had a really good gaming goal. Dealt with a lot of crosses they sent in there, and and they, they, they got their goal, they took their chance when it came. Scott Dan, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking. In that kind of situation, there's just no point to take a risk. You know, give them a throw in you know, somewhere in, this, in your own half of the pitch. They're not, it's only a throw, and they're not going to do that much from there. But the way he tried to shepherd it back to Hennessy and then Defoe, he was just too, too clever there. He, tried, he sort of fainted to go one way, nipped in the other way, got the ball away and uh, stuck it away. And obviously that was a huge goal for Sunderland. You know, in recent weeks, they back-to-back defeats. You know, lost to Southampton, Everton. Certainly that result, massive for them. Just their second clean sheet of the season as well. And two in their last four games after going 10 in, in the league without one. So defensively, they're looking a bit bit more solid since you know they lost uh, 6-2 to Everton, which was obviously a bad result there. And then the only goal they conceded against Southampton in the game before was that silly penalty that uh, Mvila gave away. So in the last couple of games since obviously Everton put six past them, they're looking a bit more solid defensively. And yeah, that was, like you said, a massive win for them. And it takes them up to 18th in the table. Leap for Bournemouth there. Home form is still an issue for them. They've only won one Premier League home game all season. I mean, if they were to choose a 
uh, home game to win this season, it would have been that one against Newcastle, 3-0 as well. It looks like a pretty convincing victory, but in reality, it wasn't that convincing. They they were second best for the first half completely. Colaccini uh, got sent off, conceded the penalty in the first half stoppage time, I think it was. And from that point on, it was always going to be difficult for Newcastle. They still created a chance in the second half and Sunderland, they, they, they didn't look entirely comfortable. Certainly not as comfortable as the final scoreline suggested. So it was flattering to them that um, 3-0 victory, their only home league victory of the season so far. So, you know, even even that win was they could do better than that they need to do better at home because if you're struggling against relegation that's where the bulk of your points are going to need to come I think Allardyce uh, helping defensively as he has done since he's come in with the exception of that Everton one will certainly help that at home as well there's obviously more onus on them to attack at home than there is away but still defensively is going to be the main thing for them to keep them solid they have got a tough run of fixtures coming up before the end of the year Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool all to come before um, 2016 starts before the new year so it's a very difficult end to the year and considering they're in the relegation zone now it's hard to see them climbing out of that relegation zone before 2016 but as I say the home form is where they need to improve Aston Villa are the only team to have picked up fewer points in front of their own fans so far this season so that's where they need to start I think Yeah you mentioned those sort of four teams coming up after this game but I'd say Stoke here is a really tough game in itself because Stoke have been in really good form recently you know last week going and winning at Southampton you know Southampton usually very good at home I think Southampton they were unbeaten in eight going into that game and for Stoke to go there score the early goal like they did through Boyan and then just hold on for the rest of it. You know, they did deserve the win. Southampton really struggled to create much against them there. And considering you know, the amount of quality attacking players Southampton have got for Stoke, who obviously in recent weeks have been doing very well defensively, for them to do what they did there, keep a clean sheet, excellent, excellent performance. They're still in the bottom half, but just two points off sixth now. We've already mentioned it that there's a lot of teams between, say, I think West Ham in sixth and then where Stoke are uh, down in 11th. It could easily uh, change about this weekend. So I think they're looking pretty good, Stoke. And, yeah, only lost one of their last eight Premier League games uh, since they lost 2-0 to Arsenal on, in, on September the 12th. And that was that really surprising defeat to Watford at home, which no one really saw coming that day. So that was a blip. But apart from that, really good recently from Stoke. Yeah, and you mentioned their defensive record there. That's really where all this good form has been born from. They've kept clean sheets in each of the last three Premier League games in five of their last six. There is a question going forward about them. They haven't scored more than once in a game for over two months now. So they need to improve in the final third. Only Aston Villa have scored fewer in the whole league. Stoke have only managed 11 goals in their 13 games so far this season. So that will be a concern. But defensively, you know, Stoke were always, since they came up to the Premier League, considered a very solid team at the back. Mark Hughes sort of changing that with more passing than there was under the Pulis reign. You know, more of an attacking threat. But this season, it certainly has been built on a sturdy defence. Uh, they got the best defence outside the top um, five this season, actually, with only 12 goals conceded. Only Manchester United, Arsenal and Tottenham can better that record. So, defensively, things are looking very sound and on a very good of, uh, run of clean sheets away from home as well. They are, yeah. Like you said, they're unbeaten in the last five away games in all competitions and kept clean sheets in all of those. That's a tremendous record, including the League Cup as well. They've got the quarter-final coming up, which is obviously a good chance this year to maybe get to the final, maybe win their first trophy since 1972. I think certainly the mood at the club seems really really good at the moment but we talked there about Sunderland having some tough games coming up Stoke are the same they view this one against Sunderland as a very winnable game maybe get into the top half but then uh, their last five games of sort of the half season uh, running up to the new year they've got City West Ham Crystal Palace Manchester United Everton all teams currently in the top half but some of those like Palace West Ham they're the sort of teams above them at the moment that they'll want to leapfrog and take their place in the top half really so looking really good only lost one of their last six away games in the Premier League won three and not on the last four kept clean sheets in the last four that's their best run in the top fight since 1969-1970 so the way they're playing away from home at the moment very very solid you said you know their attack needs to improve but if they're defending this well you know nicking the odd goal you'd probably say it, it, they don't, their attack, attack doesn't need to improve that much because teams can't score against them 
Which way do you see this one going? Yeah, I've got to say Stoke here. Sunderland, it was a really good result on Monday against Palace. Should give them a big confidence boost. But the way Stoke are playing, we've talked enough so much about their defence. All the stats uh, regarding Stoke's defence at the moment are just tremendous. So I think Stoke will edge this 1-1-0. It's quite a difficult one to call, I think. I, like you, I don't think there's going to be too many goals. I wouldn't be too surprised if Sunderland nicked the draw. I was, I was thinking of going for a 1-0 Stoke win, but I think I'm going to go for a draw here. I'm going to go for one all. So we're going for one draw and a Stoke victory. On Saturday's evening kick-off, and it's first against second as Leicester welcome United to the King Power. Barnes' top of the table clash, and let's start with the new leaders. Leicester put three past Newcastle. Another incredible performance, another incredible result. For them to be top in the table. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. After 13 games, it's just beyond any expectations, isn't it? Such a good start to the season. No one saw it coming, and... Just, they're one of the most consistent teams in the league at the moment. Look at them and probably Tottenham as the two most consistent teams. It's incredible what Ranieri's been able to do to keep this momentum going for so long in the season. We thought they'd drop off, but it just hasn't happened so far. And It was just another convincing victory against Newcastle. Three more goals to add to their total. I have to say they, they got a bit of a helping hand. Some of the defender from Newcastle was dreadful. The, especially the Ajoa one, leaving them completely unmarked at the back post to just put in a simple header. Such statuesque defending, not alert to the danger at all. And same really applied to Okazaki. You know, for him to miss the header and still have time to squeeze it over the line from about a yard out was was just pathetic defending from Newcastle in the end. And when Leicester are in such good form in front of goal, you can't afford to gift them goals because they'll create chances anyway. And it could have been more. Vardy went through on goal after equaling the record, obviously for ten consecutive games. He went through on goal again and could have squared it for miles for a simple finish, but went for goal himself. So it could have been more for Leicester. It was another really good performance. That's now four wins in a row, five wins from their last six games. There's still only one defeat all season in the Premier League, which is joint low along with Tottenham Hotspur it's an incredible run they're on and to be honest you can't really this is obviously going to be a very tough game but they'll go into every match thinking they can win it at the moment because they've got such momentum behind them Absolutely yeah. and you touched on Vardy there obviously he did equal Van Nistelrooy's record there 10 Premier League games in a row 12 goals in that time as well it's sensational for him and the goal itself you know the way he just cut inside and then finished in the bottom corner you see he's just brimming with confidence at the moment and now the chance to break Van Nistelrooy's record against Van Nistelrooy's old team here is a massive chance for them at home as well There's going to be everyone's going to be fully behind him and I mean, if he does it in 11 games in a row, it's just absolutely incredible if he does do it. And I was comparing sort of Leicester, where they are this season, to where they were last season. After 13 games last season, they just dropped to the bottom of the table. They're 18 points better off this season, six wins better off after 13 games. It's absolutely incredible from them. And I mean, we're still, we're not going to take them for a top four finish yet. I mean, it's still, it's still too early, even though that's a third of the season now out of the way. But even so, the improvement from where they were last season, 18 points better off, top of the table, unbelievable. Yeah, and interestingly, that improvement has all come in the final third. Defensively, there's not much difference really from last season. They've conceded 20 this season, which is the worst in the top 14. And at the same stage of last season, when they're bottom, they've only conceded 21. It's all come at the other end of the field. Obviously, Vardy's been central to that and just that achievement. You could, when you think of some of the the strikers, the attackers to have played in the Premier League, the likes of Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo go down as one of the greatest players of all time and he couldn't get anywhere close to what Vardy's doing at the moment. It is an incredible record. They're the top scorers in the league with 28 goals now and it is all about that, that 
extra threat in the final third. That's the difference between last season when they're bottom and this season when they're top. It's been absolutely incredible. I think they, they would be doing very well to stay top uh, come the new year. They've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. United here, they've got a terrible record against, lost 10 of the last 11 league games against them, the, the exception being last season's incredible 5-3 victory. Uh, they've got Swansea away. Swansea aren't in the best form, but they're still a good team Chelsea at home Chelsea looking in better form now and then Everton away Liverpool away and Man City at home three really tough games to, to finish the year so it is going to be a difficult end of the year and if they're still top at the end of that run of fixtures then we might have to start taking them a bit seriously as title contenders maybe consider them a top four contender but this is obviously a big game for them first against second and United know they can go top if they beat Leicester here and they come into this after a 2-1 win at Watford last week and wasn't the best performance was it we've talked about Watford this season they're usually quite hard to break down and United got the first half goal it was an excellent cross from Herrera and Memphis who got the start up front Rooney and Martial both out injured got the start up front Memphis looked a bit more hungry it was an excellent first time finish on the volley but they didn't really push on from that United and uh, in the end, gave away a penalty. It's a clumsy challenge from Rojo. There wasn't much contact on Igalo, but when you Igalo had his back to goal, there's just no need to try and make that tackle. He clipped his heel clearly, went down a bit soft, but you could see exactly why the referee gave it. Deeney sticks it away, and you think Watford have got a point there, but United didn't give up, and then they get the goal, own goal in the end. It went down us from Deeney, but it was good play from Schweinsteiger at the back post, chasing the ball down, putting it back across the dangerous area, and getting them three points. And it meant a lot to him there. He obviously hasn't been involved in too many goals this year for United, but he did really well there. And like I said, up to second with City and Arsenal both losing last weekend so at the moment for United things looking pretty good they are looking good but Van Gaal still can't really get away from the criticism we're filming this before the Champions League match in midweek and if they win that they're through to the last 16 but to be at the time of filming one win away from the last 16 in the Champions League at one point off the top of the table yet still not have their fans very happy suggests something's not quite right they're not happy because they're not attacking enough. They're not scoring enough goals. They've four fewer goals than anyone else in the top six so far this season. And it's not really a position we're used to seeing Manchester United in. I think most of the United fans would rather a sort of Leicester situation when they're scoring loads of goals and conceding quite a few at the other end. But the positive is they're not conceding a lot at the other end. They've got a fantastic record. It's the best defence versus the best attack in the league so far this season. United only conceded nine goals in the Premier League all season. If there is a bit of... Um, Optimism for Leicester coming into the match is that eight of those nine goals have come away from home for United. They've only conceded one at Old Trafford so far this season, but still, it is a formidable defensive unit. Van Gaal certainly got the team structure going well, but going forward it needs to improve. They're, they're not even really creating the chances. They've got one of the best chance conversion ratios in the Premier League, which when you consider how few goals they've scored compared to the teams around them in the table, just tells you they're not creating enough really. Defensively, everything's perfect back there, but going forward they do need to improve. So which way do you see it going? Who's going to win out the attack or the defence? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Leicester, you can't, I can't really back against them at the moment. United, I can't see United really losing this one, but with the momentum behind Leicester, I can see them maybe getting a point out of it. Despite United's uh, good defensive record, Leicester just don't seem to be able to stop scoring at the moment. I think I'm going to go for a two-all draw. So I'm going to go for a draw as well, but I think, I think United's defence might stifle Leicester a bit more, and I'm going to go one-all, so can't pick a winner in this one. Okay, moving on to Sunday's games now, and it's a London derby between Tottenham Hotspur and Chelsea. Start with the home side, Pascal. Very impressive again against West Ham United last time out. They really were. Yeah. That's 12 unbeaten now since the opening day of the season in the Premier League. And I think probably this might have been their best performance of the whole season. You know, West Ham, they've already beaten you know Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City on the road this season. Usually very good away from home, but Spurs completely outplayed them. 4-1 win. So, so impressive in that. And that took them 10 places, 10 points better off than Chelsea, who they play here. So, really, really impressive. And 
you have to say that look, watching the game back, it was quite a sort of cagey start to the match. But once they got that first goal from Kane, he did well to roll the defender. The defender certainly shouldn't have sort of lent in the way he did, but he rolled him, smashed it in, and then you know he got two more goals. He's in great form at the moment. Him, him and Lukaku probably the two informed strikers in the league at the moment. And certainly he could have had more. Kane he could have easily had a hat trick. He had that miss, which was you know it was hilarious the way he dragged that wide. It was one of the chances you just expected him to put away. I don't know why he didn't go near post. There was so much space at the near post there, but tried to go across goal and dragged it wide but even with that miss you know it was still a completely dominant performance West Ham didn't defend well we talked about uh, the, the first goal for Kane but they took the second one from a corner from Alderweireld he should not have been, been able to get free header like that and then uh, Kane's second one should have easily been saved it wasn't the best shot in the world but just went under Adrian and once it was 3-0 you know West Ham they were, they were never going to come back in the game Walker Obviously, that was a great finish from him to make it four, and then Lanzini just with that late consolation. But the way Spurs are going at the moment, you have to say that was a really impressive performance. Still fifth, not quite in the top four yet, but looking really, really good. Yeah, they're only four points off uh, top of the table now, though. But and it was a good weekend for them uh, in terms of results. You know, Arsenal both and Manchester City both lost. They were the top two going into that match. Leicester and United obviously won, overtook them to be the top two now. But for me, Tottenham could be dark horses for the title at the moment. I'm surprised not many people have mentioned them in the title race because they're the most consistent team at the moment and no one's no one's really putting themselves forward as the favourite so far this season. City have looked good in fits and starts but they're a bit inconsistent. We saw a huge defeat against Liverpool. They've also lost other games this season they'd expect them to win. Arsenal can never really rely on them to be consistent throughout the season. They go through spells where they look unbeatable but then they lose to West Brom as they did last time out. So they're inconsistent as well. Leicester are consistent but you'd expect them to drop off. United haven't really convinced so far this season despite getting the results. They're, they're not playing too well and they're not entertaining fans. Their, their performances they're not really title winning performances Tottenham probably look the best team at the moment in the league so um, I think I'd put them as dark horses for the title at the moment if they can keep up this run of form because they're looking like a very good team a very good unit a young team as well which is important this t- we thought after after they sold Gary- Gareth Bale and ch- um, changed so many players such a big overhaul of players there was a couple of seasons where they looked disjointed and all their players were trying to gel but they look like they finally have started the gel now Lamella's finding a bit of form working well with the likes of Ericsson when you bring Ali and um, Dyer into the middle they've started their Tottenham careers really well especially in that defensive midfield well where they look uh, they look at home there so they've got a very good team throughout I think looking ahead to this weekend it's going to be tough for them because they've got a, an away trip to Azerbaijan in the Europa League on the Thursday it's their longest ever European trip so it's uncharted territory for them and then they're coming back and playing on the Sunday in the, at 12pm a very early kickoff as well so that's going to be difficult for them but certainly their results so far this season their performances so far this season everything's looking positive for them Yeah we talked about Deli Ali who's really come to the fore this season but he did pick up his fifth book in that game a silly one for him to pick up as well and Pochettino was angry about it actually after the game he didn't seem to I mean I know Ali's a young player and he thought maybe just let him off for that but Pochettino really did say I'm not happy with him he should not have picked up that booking because clearly he wanted him to be playing in this game against Chelsea it's a big game I know there's 10 places between the two but it's a big London derby so Ali's going to be out but there is a boost at Lamella he was out suspended last week so he'll come back for this one so maybe they'll change the system a bit Lamella go a bit further forward maybe drop someone back in like a Dembele could maybe come back into the more defensive role alongside Dyer. but certainly like you said Spurs do look very good at the moment and they'll certainly take heart from this game last season we all remember I thought it was one of the games of the season last year 5-3 on New Year's Day at White Hart Lane it's when Kane you know, he scored two cracking goals in that game he was phenomenal in that game and if he keeps going the way he is I think he'll think he can score against anyone even though Chelsea last couple of weeks they have been good and you mentioned about the Azerbaijan thing there Chelsea they went to Israel but that was on Tuesday so they've had two more days rest and like I said it is an early kickoff on Sunday and it could play a part yeah, and you mentioned that New Year's Day one. Chelsea were 
top of the table then and looking almost unbeatable. City was coming back, but then Chelsea powered on towards the title and rather cruised towards the title. Completely different scenario this time around. Chelsea have been so poor this season, as we know. The shoots of recovery are there in the last few games. They played better. Unfortunate to lose against Stoke before the international break. Probably should have come away with that with at least one point, probably all three points. But the performance was there. It was much better. Same against Norwich last time out in the Premier League. Another 1-0 win. Narrow victory. And you'd say defensively Norwich could have done better with the goal they scored. But still, it was a better performance and they deserved it. Midweek in the Champions League, 4-0 winners. I think that flatter that scoreline flattered them a little. Maccabi, um, Tel Aviv, uh, the worst team in the Champions League in group stages. They've got the only team without a point. They're the lowest scorers. They've conceded most goals. So Chelsea were always expected to come away with a win there, just even with it being away from home. They, they made it a bit more difficult than it needed to be, though. They were completely on top in the first half, controlled the game, dominating possession, got the goal through Cahill. A little fortuitous because the keeper made a fantastic save to turn it onto the post, and then it was simple for Cahill to stab home. And then Tal Ben Haim gets sent off stupidly against his former club, and you think the floodgate's going to open in the second half. You think it's going to be an absolute hammering because Chelsea had been that dominant without really creating too many goal scoring chances. They had been dominant. You thought the goals were going to come, but second half. Um, Maccabi were better than they were in the first half. They played better with the man disadvantage and Chelsea will be annoyed at how many good chances they let Maccabi have when they should have been comfortably dealing with them defensively and just killing the game off. It took till the final 20 minutes for them to get those last three goals. William really killed the game off with the second. Another free kick for him. He's fantastic from set pieces so far this season. Probably been Chelsea's player of the season. He was man of the match again last night. So in the end, it was a comfortable victory, but... Mourinho, he wasn't happy. He hauled Hazard off after a misplaced pass. Hazard also, there was one moment where he didn't do his defensive duties, which we know has been a bit of an issue with Mourinho already this season. He also wasn't happy with Costa in the first half with his movement. So I think Mourinho, despite winning 4-0, will probably be less happy with that performance than he was with the one against Stoke when they lost and Norwich when they won only 1-0. Yeah, and you mentioned Hazard there. It's only one goal in 20 appearances in all competitions this season. Just complete shadow of the play he was last season. But positive for him. He has scored in his last three Premier League games against Spurs, so he does like playing them so maybe this game is a chance for him to get back to form but you know you mentioned the Maccabi result there but they're not even through after that game because uh, Kiev went and won in Porto that was a real surprise result now they've got to play Porto at home match day six in the Champions League that's going to be a massive game and the way they're going you wouldn't be too surprised if maybe Porto got something with obviously Kiev playing uh, Tel Aviv in the other game they're certainly you know not guaranteed to go through to the knockout stages yet and back to the Premier League you know this, that win you know it did cl- close the gap to City and Arsenal because they both lost it's 12 points behind them now 13 adrift of United and obviously 14 behind Leicester at the top there so even though they did um, claw back some ground on the on the t- two teams City and Arsenal who probably the favourites at the moment for the title there's still a, there's still a big gap there 12 points still a long long way to uh, to go if they're going to even get back into the title race and with you know teams like Spurs looking so good Liverpool winning 4-1 at City at the moment there's so many teams even below the top four at the moment who are chasing that top four. Chelsea are obviously going to be one of those if they can go on a really good run, but I think it's going to be really difficult for them to get into the top four because you mentioned already that Spurs probably a dark horse for the title this year. Liverpool, the way they played against City, they'll fancy a top four place. United looks so solid with their defence and you'd expect City and Arsenal to you know, still be up there come the end of the season. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really exciting race for the top four this season and I think Chelsea, unless they can put together a string of a lot, of, a lot of wins they just might get left behind because there's a lot of other teams looking quite good Do you see them carrying on their resurgence here? I think it might be a draw I think Chelsea they, they have looked a bit better of late you talked about even before the international break when they lost three in a row in the Premier League they were looking a bit better in those games and I think you know two back-to-back clean sheets in the last week they've looked a bit more solid there Spurs 
even though Spurs have been really good of late, I think the fact they have to travel to Azerbaijan might have an effect on this. And I think it could be quite a cagey affair and we'll go for one or draw. It is a difficult one, isn't it? I think without any midweek football, I'd probably predict a Tottenham win because they have been in such a good form and they're looking like a really strong unit as a team. But as you mentioned, that Azerbaijan thing, it's always difficult to come back from such a long journey in the Europa League and to play to have the 12pm kickoff on a Sunday is, is going to be tough for them. So I, I agree with the draw. I think I'm going to go for one all as well. So none of us can separate these two teams. Okay, don't the second Sunday match is a 2.05 kickoff between West Ham and West Brom. Barnes will start with the visitors last time out. Really impressive win over Arsenal. Yeah, very big victory. I don't think anyone really saw that one coming from West Brom. They had lost to Leicester and United in two games prior to that. Obviously, two teams also in the top half as well as Arsenal. So I don't think too many people gave them a chance against the Gunners, especially as in that game against United, they only they defended so deeply and they only really created that one chance through Berahino. Rarely looked like scoring in that. So to get two goals against Arsenal is a big uh, plus for them. Big surprise, bonus points really, uh, to, to lift them up the table a bit more. You'd have to say that they they had a, they, their fair share of luck in that match. I think Arteta, um, uh, sorry, Cazorla uh, missing the penalty late on. Big stroke of luck for that, for that to happen. And even the goals, Arteta's own goal, really unlucky for that to happen. There's not too much he could have done about that. Maybe got his body in a bit of a twist at the near post. Perhaps could have done better uh, defensively with that, but... You know, there wasn't too much in the end he could do to stop it, stop turning into his own net. And I think even Morrison's goal to level things up after Giroud opened the scoring had a bit of an element of luck about it. I mean, if he meant it, it's one of the goals of the season, the way he managed to volley that in. But to be honest, I don't think he meant it. The way he sort of volleyed it, he seemed to want to get something on it. I don't think he had it in his mind to get that over and into the top corner. So I think there was an element of luck about both of West Brom goals and the Cazola penalty, miss penalty, obviously. But they held on. It's a good victory. They don't always have to play their best as long as they can get the points on the board. And that is a big victory. Some bonus points for Pulis. Yeah, that was only their second home league win all season. So they haven't really been doing enough at the Hawthorns. And more of their points have come away from home this season. You know, And they've actually only lost twice away from home as well. So they generally have been better on the road. And I think they'll, they'll come into this game quite full of confidence because West Ham, they haven't been great form themselves. I think West Brom might fancy another scalp here and you look at their recent sort of run of form you mentioned you know they played Leicester United before Arsenal that's three of the top four they played in their last three matches now they've got West Ham here Spurs who we know are playing really well at the moment and then Liverpool after that who are you know looking good as well so it's a really really tough run of fixtures for West Brom and if they can sort of keep themselves about sort of 12th 13th in the table where they are now you know, a good distance away from the drop zone going into the new year. And I think they'll be in a good position because obviously the fixtures will get a bit easier. But at, at, as it is, they've had some really tough games. And you mentioned West Ham's form at the moment there. It's really not great. One point out of nine after seven unbeaten. We we were lauding Slavin Bilic's team, quite rightly so, in the early stages of the season. They were looking very impressive. But last time out against Tottenham was probably the worst m- m- um, part of their season so far. Obviously, big rivals, big London rivals against Tottenham. So to be just thoroughly outplayed and to lose 4-1 in that game could have been even worse that Kane ch- missed chance as well it was a really poor performance from West Ham you'd have to credit Tottenham a really good performance from them but West Ham defensively they gave away far too much the Kane um, second goal in particular Tompkins just giving it straight to Kane and then Adrian probably should save it as well it went right underneath him uh, Toby Alderweireld that header they just lost him it's good movement from Alderweireld but still defensively you look at from set pieces it's always annoying to concede goals from set pieces. So they would, they'll feel they could have done better defensively in that one. It wasn't a good performance from Slavon Bilic's side. After beat, winning at the Emirates, Anfield and Etihad already this season, obviously they have one of the best away records in the Premier League. I think before last weekend, only Arsenal had a better away record in the league. So they would have fancied the chance of getting some now after that. So to be beaten so convincingly will be really disappointing for them. 
absolutely one little positive another goal for Lanzini that's two and two now since and he's obviously going to be a bit of a focal point with Paye missing so for him to be uh, two and two I think it's, it's a good sign for them that he's scoring goals because you know, it's been a bit few and far between in the first few weeks of the season but he looks like he might be able to step up in Paye's absence because Paye being out was obviously huge for them and then even for this game Mark Noble suspended James Collins still suspended Enna Valencia is still out injured so they have They've got a few injury problems there. You know, Andy Carroll didn't look that great against Spurs. They didn't really get in the game at all. And you look at the league table now, they're still sixth West Ham. You know, they're still in a decent position, but only two points above Stoke in 11th. And the way it's really sort of, you know, congested there in those sort of places, they could easily plummet down towards the bottom half with another defeat here. So you have to say that even though they is sixth place next to their name at the moment, if, if they don't get a win here, it could easily change. And yeah, you do worry a bit, a bit about West Ham, I think. Yeah, and the, the perception is that Slavon Bilic has made a good start as West Ham United boss and they've been playing well. Sixth in the table is a decent position to find themselves in. But at this stage last season, they actually had one more point. They were fifth in the table. Um, Sla- um, Sam Allardyce last season went into the season in with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. We thought a few poor results to start the season and he would have been gone. The Czech, the owners seemed to want him gone, but they stuck with him that season and they couldn't really sack him after he made a really good start to the campaign. And they brought Bilic in to improve things they have been easier on the eye, you have to say that, which is probably the main reason David Gold and um, David Sullivan brought him in. So that's that's been a plus for Slavin Bilic's side, but they're, they're worse off than they were under Allardyce at the same stage of last season. Obviously, they went on to finish 12th in that, which they'll want to avoid happening this um, this time around. You always expect them to sort of tail off towards the as the season wore on last campaign, but this time they, they perhaps look like they've got a bit more staying power, a bit more about them that would put them in the European places, but as things stand, Allardyce was doing a better job at the same um, stage of last season. Yes, and West Ham, if you, if you sort of say there, if they do really want to get into the European places, this is the sort of game they need to win. Which way do you see it going? Yeah, I can see West Ham getting the win here. I, I West Brom got a good result against Arsenal last time out, but as they say, they rode their luck there. West Ham, I can see them bouncing back from the Tottenham one. They're not in the best form, but I can see them winning 2-1 here. 2-1. I'm going to back a draw in this one. Just looking at sort of the recent record between the two, six of the last nine and four of the last five, Upton Park in particular, against the Baggies have been draws. And I just think West Ham, uh, sorry, West Brom might frustrate them a bit. And West Ham haven't looked great of late, so I'm going to go for one or draw. So one West Ham win and a draw. OK, on to Anfield, where's Liverpool versus Swansea in one of two kickoffs at quarter past four. Pascal has only one place to start. Liverpool, fantastic performance against Man City last time out. It really was. Klopp's had some good performances in his eight games in charge, you know, especially the one at Stamford Bridge when they beat Chelsea 3-1. But that one against City, the best by a long way. You know, really just supreme against the team that was the league leaders going into that game. You know, I think they had won five in a row in all competitions at the Etihad going into that game. So they've been in excellent form in front of their own fans, top of the table. And for Liverpool to play the way they did, 4-1 winners by the end, a tremendous display. And you have to say, the way they started, you know, I think City, they, they should have expected Liverpool to press high like they did. It's been a feature of their play under Klopp, but it almost panicked City. They made defensive mistakes. He obviously gifted the first goal with a Mangala's own goal. He couldn't get his feet sorted and comical own goal there. But even after that, Liverpool really, you thought maybe once they got that early goal, they might have sat back a bit. The complete opposite. They kept pushing forward. They, they could smell blood against City there and the likes of Coutinho, Firmino, they really did play excellently. Obviously, both of those on the score sheet. Uh, before half-time, excellent goals again. The link-up play between the midfield and those uh, forwards was superb. You thought maybe Aguero getting that goal just before half-time was a really good finish from there. Nothing Mignolet could do about that, you have to say. But you thought maybe that might give City a lift going into half-time and into the second half. But Liverpool, you know, they weren't as electric as they were in the first half in the second half. But they didn't concede again. And then obviously finished them off with that excellent skirtle finish uh, inside the area. So a tremendous display from them. They're still probably not where they want to be in the table. But on the whole, for them to put in a performance like that, away at Man City who like I say were the league leaders uh, just really fabulous Yeah, I think probably the biggest compliment you can pay them is that it bore the hallmarks of a couple of seasons ago when they came so close to winning the title and they looked unstoppable at times the likes of Suarez Sturridge, Sterling 
fantastic connection up front. And Firmino and Coutinho, some of the football they were playing, it was every bit as good as that when Liverpool came so close to the title. It was, for me, certainly the best performance since those days. Just the way they blew Man City away in the opening half hour, which was obviously what they did in that season when they were beaten. You think back to that Arsenal game where they, they blew Arsenal away inside the opening stage. It was more the same in this one. 3-0 up inside 32 minutes. The game pretty much dead and buried then, although, as you mentioned, when Aguero got the goal back, there might have been a few nervous Liverpool fans about, but it was such a good performance. And the 4-1 scoreline in the end probably flattered it Man City if anything Liverpool could have had 7 or 8 and that's no exaggeration because he had some fantastic chances Joe Hart had to make 3 or 4 one-on-one saves big saves to, to keep it somewhat respectable for Man City it was a fantastic performance from Liverpool just as you mentioned they're probably not where they want to be in the table ninth in the league still but that performance will give them so much belief that they can push on for the top four now because it had been fairly uninspiring in some games under Jurgen Klopp with the exception of that Chelsea Chelsea victory 3-1 at Stamford Bridge you know he hadn't made the real um, impact that people thought he might make but that was really the performance everyone was waiting for under Klopp and if they can replicate that a few more times then certainly they'll fancy their chance of getting the top four place because while it is a competitive top four race at the moment, like the Tottenham in their Everton improving, Chelsea you probably expect to come back in there. No one's really taken charge of the Premier League this season, which is shown by Leicester being top of the table. So they really fancy a chance of getting themselves in the mix if they can improve their performances. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a really exciting race, not only for the top four, but the title as well. Like you mentioned all those teams there. We've already said that Spurs might be dark horses for the title, but if Spurs are, then I think probably Liverpool have to be as well if they're going to play, if they're going to put in performances like they did against City last week. The one thing I'd say about those two games we've talked about for Liverpool, the Chelsea and the City wins, both away from home. I think Liv Klopp really needs that sort of electric performance at Anfield. They haven't really had that under Klopp yet at home. There's been a couple of you know stodgy results. Obviously, the last time out uh, against uh, at Anfield, they lost to Palace there, so that was disappointing. In the Premier League this season, only won two of their six home league games, drawing two, losing two as well. So that's where they need to improve. You'd probably say that. I mean, we talked about Coutinho, how well he played at the Etihad there, but he did, you know, come off with a little niggle. The reports are that it's not as bad as first field. They've got Bordeaux uh, in the Europa League on Thursday. He's probably going to sit that one out in the hope of playing uh, in this one. And if he can come back, that'd be a boost. They've got Henderson. He's coming back in about sort of two weeks' time. So once he's back, that offers them, you know, a bit more dynamism sort of in that defensive midfield place. He can go box to box. Henderson, he's really good at that. And then those players coming back, Sturridge and Benteke both fit now. And then the January transfer window, obviously just about a month away now. Who's got, who's Klopp going to sign? He's going to go for any of his old Dortmund players, I'm sure. You know, Marco Royce would be the one that all the Liverpool fans want to see. He's a tremendous forward, Marco Royce. And anyone of that sort of calibre would be a, a brilliant signing. But even then, you know, Klopp, he's got a lot of connections there in Germany. There's some quality players there that he could maybe sign. And with the squad, you know, more, more of the squad fully fit now potentially new signings coming in yes, so it's looking pretty good for the Reds and it's looking pretty good heading into this weekend as well because mm. they're coming up against the Swansea side really struggling for form at the moment That two all against Bournemouth on paper not the best result but the way the match transpired probably a decent result in the end they found themselves two goals behind fairly early on but hit back straight away through um, Andre Ayew's goal and then Shelby obviously got the penalty to level things up after maybe coming back from two goals down, they might fancy their chance of pushing on and getting a victory, but that never materialised in the end. And to be honest, they were a little fortunate to get away with a point. Bournemouth, probably the better side throughout, as they have been for many of their games this season, which they haven't really got what they deserve from. But for Swansea, it's, we're not really sure what, where it's gone wrong, because we mentioned plenty of times this season they started the season so well, they looked 
capable of pushing for a top six place, but they need to get those wins in the bag. They need to get, even if it's just a few 1-0 wins here and there, maybe if a lucky one, a lucky break if they don't deserve it. They need to get results on the board to get that confidence back because when they're playing with confidence, they're a very good team, but it's now one win in 10 Premier League games, which is not really good enough for the, the quality they've got throughout their side. Gary Monkey he tried something different this time around with uh, dropping... Baffertimby Gomez to the bench and bringing Adair in but Adair hasn't really done it so far since coming in so he's trying new things but he needs to find a winning formula sooner rather than later if they're to salvage their season perhaps push for the top half yeah, you mentioned Adair there that's just he's got no goal in 13 appearances for Swansea this season most of those off the bench you're granted but he hasn't really done much Gomez has got he hasn't scored in nine Premier League games after obviously starting really well at the start of the season, you know, it was good to see someone different score. Shelby got on the score sheet there. He's the only player, you know, not called Gomez, Ayu or Sigurdsson, who's now scored in the Premier League. But then he got booked, so he's now suspended for this game, so he can't play here uh, against his former club, of course, as well. So disappointing there. And you just look at some of the other stats, you know, um, five points. There, there are only five points worse off this season, to be fair, than last season. You think last season was their best ever finish in the Premier League. And the fact they're only five points worse off at this stage than they were last season. They can turn it round, and obviously last season was a tremendous effort from them. And even though you know, so, so they're only five points behind. So if they put together a good run, they can get back towards the kind of points total they had last season around the halfway stage. But it just doesn't really feel all that convincing from Swansea at the moment, does it? They need something more. They need goals. I mean, sure, we're, I'm sure they're going to try and sign someone in January, but at the moment, it doesn't look that great because if you're dropping Gomez, Sigurdsson didn't start against Bournemouth either. You know, that's two of their biggest players from the start of the season. You wonder why they're not starting. Is, is something? Is there a bit of unrest in the camp? You got to wonder. Do you see them ending that poor form here? No, I don't. Liverpool, I know they're playing, they've got Bordeaux on Thursday, so they've got a European game in midweek, but that's at home. They haven't really got to travel for that one. So Liverpool, they should have far too much here. Sturridge and Benteke still to you know come back into the starting eleven as well. They should have way too much. I'm going to go for the 3-1 win. Completely agree with that. I think Liverpool on the back of that, they should be flying on the back of that Man City match. It obviously depends a little bit what happens Bordeaux. Maybe that might stunt their momentum a little bit, but you can't really see them not winning this match. The form both sides are in, so I'm going to agree with 3-1 as well. So we're both going for fairly comfortable Liverpool victories here. And finally, we're off to Carrow Road for Norwich against Arsenal. Once to start with the visitors, dropped to fourth with that shock defeat to the Baggies. Yeah, really disappointing result that one as well, especially coming off the back of five straight wins and then the draw in the North London derby against Tottenham, which... It was a decent draw. Um, Tottenham probably deserved the win. They were the better side. Yes, it came at the Emirates, but Arsenal, they would have been fairly content to come away with a point from that match. So to lose against West Brom, who themselves have been in pretty poor form going into the game, really disappointing result. They, they had the chance to go uh, top of the table in that match as well with Man City not playing until later. And then as it happened, Man City losing against Liverpool, they had a chance to steal a march on them. But now they, they find themselves um, fourth in the table after... Leicester and Manchester United both won as well so it, is, it was a missed opportunity they could have ended the weekend uh, clear top of the table on their own so that makes it doubly disappointing to fall to that defeat you'd have to say that luck wasn't with them in the match they should probably have won the game and nothing really went for them because uh, all of missing the penalty was the, probably the main one but also Arteta's own goal not too much he could have done about that Morrison's goal um, maybe a little bit of a fluke if it was a Perhaps a decent finish, certainly a decent finish if we meant it, but I'm not 100% sure, 100% convinced that he did mean that. So perhaps a bit of a fluke that one. So they can point to the fact that they were unlucky in that game, but still they failed to defeat. And that was a really disappointing one because most people would have expected them to comfortably win that one. They did bounce back in midweek, 3-0 win against Dynamo Zagreb in the Champions League, which is exactly what they needed. A good convincing victory, not only to bounce back from that, but also obviously for their Champions League uh, hopes because the European hopes are hanging by a thread at the moment. So to come back from that and for Ozil to get a goal and Sanchez two goals, important to get a good 
solid victory in that game. So they bounced back well, but that one against West Brom is really disappointing. Yeah, the one in midweek was absolutely huge for them. You know, since Wenger's been there, I think they've always qualified. You know, from the group stage of the Champions League, and now it's going to be a massive game coming up against Olympiacos in you know a couple of weeks' time. Now they they need to beat them either two 0 or by a two goal margin. It's going to be a massive ask for them because this Olympiacos side, obviously. They beat them at the Emirates. You know, it was, it was a decent performance against Zagreb in midweek, but you'd always expect to beat them at home in that game. And the one against Olympiacos, I mean, Olympiacos know you know they, they need to be beaten by two goals. They're going to set up shot probably, and it, Arsenal are going to need to put in a superb performance if they are going to go and win in Greece because it's going to be a really tough atmosphere there. And you have to say it's going to be a tough game. But I think certainly you look at their sort of upcoming fixtures in the Premier League. Norwich here not doing very well at the moment. Norwich then Sunderland, Aston Villa. That's their next three Premier League games. You probably say all of those. You'd expect nine points out of nine, but what they can't do, I'd say, is they can't, you know, think, okay, that's three wins in the bag already before they even go into those games and just be thinking about that Olympiacos game because that is the biggest game of the next sort of three weeks for them. But they can't, you know, forget about these games because these teams, they're fighting for their lives at the bottom there. And I think Arsenal, they just need to be wary about, you know, not not thinking that these games are already won going into them because most people would have picked them to beat West Brom last week. I think they had 73% possession in that game, but they couldn't score the goals and ended up losing. So they've still got a focus on the Premier League, but that game against Olympiacos, it's going to be in everyone's minds in the next two weeks until it comes around. So it's going to be a huge time for the club. Yeah, but they were, as you say, they will be expecting nine points from nine from those games and starting with this one, three points. They've still got the best away record in the league despite the loss against West Brom at the Hawthorne. So they are good on the road. I think looking forward, they've got positives in terms of... In, uh, Aaron Ramsey coming back from injury, He's, they've missed him. If he can get back to the form he was shown a couple of seasons ago before all these injuries set him, he hasn't really been able to get a good run in the team since then. And he was on fantastic form there. The big loss for them recently, though, has been Coughlin. He's a key player for them. You wouldn't have thought so when he was on, on loan at Charlton, I think it was, to come into the team and be arguably the most important member of the team to sit in the defensive midfield role, which is a, an area Arsenal struggled with for quite a while now. But... He's out for the next couple of months now, so who's going to fill in his shoes? Arteta, I don't think he's good enough, really, especially in that defensive role. He can keep he can keep the ball well enough, but he's nowhere near the player he used to be, and I think he's probably a bit past it now. And then Flamini's the other option, probably also a bit too old, not good enough to really thrive in that role. Where, and it's such an important role, the battler, the ball winner. When you've got the, the flair players Arsenal got in front of them, they need that solid presence at that base of the midfield and Coquelin has done a very good job of that. To lose him, it's a huge, huge blow and it could have a really big detrimental effect on their season. I think Norwich is certainly looking to take heart from that. Players like Wes Hula and that's the sort of player that a uh, player like Coquelin he'd hate, hate facing and now that he's not there might be an area for Norwich to exploit but it's another really tough game for the Canaries this weekend. They went to Chelsea uh, last weekend, suffered a 1-0 defeat there. Diego Costa with the goal, I think. Certainly, Alex Neil won't be happy the way they defended that goal. It was a bit too easy for Costa to you know, stick it away. But the rest of the game, obviously, it's only 1-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge. It doesn't read too badly because it's obviously against the champions. But we know that Chelsea are right down there with Norwich in the bottom half, given their start to the season. But you know, it could have been more for Chelsea. They did have other chances. The one contentious point from the game, Alex Neil did say afterwards, I think we should have got a penalty when uh, William tripped over Robbie Brady. It was... You could have seen it given, but then at the same time, you could see why the referee didn't give it. There wasn't all that much in it. I mean, if they got the penalty there, they might have been able to get a goal, but then you, you would have thought Chelsea might have gone on and maybe snatched a winner. So at 1-0, Chelsea always did look quite comfortable. And you have to say that this is another really difficult game for Norris. They might be without their captain, Russell Martin, which would be a blow as well. And they're sitting 16th at the moment, still above the bottom three, but it does look like quite a difficult time for Norwich. It is, and they've got difficult fixtures coming up, not just this weekend, but Everton, United and Tottenham. Uh, 
uh, all before Christmas coming up as well. They've got Watford away after this one, which the way Watford are playing, that's not an easy game themselves. Before the season, if you're a newly promoted side, you always look at the games against fellow newly promoted sides as chances to get points, but Watford have done the best out of any of those newly promoted sides so far. So that's that's no guarantee. And then, as I mentioned, Everton, United and Tottenham before a huge game at Christmas against Aston Villa. As I mentioned um, last week, out of the teams down there at the bottom at the moment, I'd probably still say Norwich are maybe best equipped to stay up, but it is only one league winning eight games now. They're only three points above the drop zone. They do need to start getting some points on the board. They, they they seem to be picking up points here and there, but they need probably a bit more consistency about them. They'll struggle to get that going in this run they've got coming up, but they need it sooner rather than later. Yeah, not many people be giving Norwich a chance in this one. How do you see it going? No, I don't really give them a chance. Even even with Coquelin out, I think Arsenal just got the... It's, this isn't the worst game for Coquelin to miss. I think Arsenal got the tools in attack to really hurt Norwich. I'm going to go for a fairly comfortable 3-1 win for Norwich, uh, for Arsenal, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Arsenal, yeah, I back them to get three goals as well and I can't really see Norwich scoring against them. It's only a 3-0 away win, so both picking the Gunners to win this one. That's it then, all 10 games covered. Thanks very much for listening and make sure you head to sportsmall.co.uk throughout the weekend for live coverage of each and every game. We'll be back next week for Match Day 15. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 